Welcome everybody to the Digital Dose podcast. So today we're going to be talking about the commercial determinants of health and therapeutic chatbots. As usual, I'm joined by Professor Rhonda Wilson. It's fantastic. This is this is our second podcast, and uh, I'm really excited to to talk about the commercial determinants of therapeutic chatbots in the mental health nursing context. I think this is a really interesting topic. Um, we know there's so much happening in the the AI generative AI space, and one of the easiest things to implement, of course, is a chatbot um, by its very nature, ChatGPT, and and those large language models um, theoretically work like that chatbot-based interaction. So, um, an ability for anybody to um, work on a model, build a model, and then converse with the model is arguably the easiest it's it's ever been, but before we get into sort of the technical components and, and what that really means, um, could you start by explaining what the commercial determinants of health are? Yeah, well, the World Health Organization uh, have um, defined the commercial determinants of health as a key social determinant uh, that refer to the conditions, actions and emissions by commercial actors that affect health. Commercial determinants arise in the context of the provision of goods or services for payment and include commercial activities as well as the environment in which the commerce takes place. They can have beneficial or detrimental impacts on health. So um, the World Health Organization have defined this commercial determinants and it got us thinking. It really got us thinking in in terms of uh, its influence in the therapeutic space mm. and in uh, AI or chatbots uh, and what that implications that might have in the mental health setting. We've we've seen commercial determinants mm. have quite an impact on other areas of health in the past. For example, um, big pharma has certainly had big implications around. Uh, the use of pharmaceuticals. Uh, we don't see any more lots of sales reps coming and door knocking uh, in our mental health services and in our primary health settings, giving us mugs and and uh, morning teas and dinners and all kinds of uh, incentives to uh, assist us to learn more about the drug that they're trying to promote. Mm. So, you know, that was certainly a commercial determinant. And I think that is... Um, it's quite an interesting topic at the moment with um, the latest series on Netflix, The Painkiller, uh, about opioids and uh, pharmacological companies selling and promoting opioids, um, mm. particularly in the US, uh, where that uh, document docu-series is, is set. So we really want to be upfront around AI and, and chatbots mm and understand what commercial determinants might, um, you know, what, what some of the risks might be, what some of the challenges might be, and if there are any benefits, mm. because we're going to have to work with commercial entities uh, as this develops. More and more so, I see that, you know, commercial partnerships, uh, what we're going to have to do, it's going to bring things to market faster. But I think what uh, the, the really raises a point here, especially in the digital health um, arena, is that unlike um, other pharmacological interventions, 
we don't really have an FDA for digital health products. So really anybody can slap something together, call it therapeutic, put a name on it or something that's, you know, and put it out there with essentially known evidence and no need to provide evidence that their particular tool is effective, clinically proven, makes a difference, and they can charge whatever they whatever want. They want. Oh, we, we see that all the time in, um, in our app stores mm. and, um, you know, you can download hundreds of thousands of apps to deal with mental health conditions theoretically, um, but almost all of them are commercial in, um, and, and, as, and, and there's very little scientific evidence to support the effectiveness mm. um, and the safety that might be related to those products, yet they may or may not have uh, influence on health and well-being, uh, or indeed they may actually be harmful in some cases. The problem is there isn't regulation mm. to assist us to help the public understand what's safe and what isn't in that space. And I think if we then sort of we bring it back to that therapeutic chatbots, there is a whole sort of another level of... Uh, mystique when it comes to that AI and the large language models and the inner workings. So the commercial, the, the, the potential for um, uh, was the unknown to actually occur within these products is actually quite high because they can essentially build a black box model and don't have to actually show the inner workings or how it comes to the conclusions or how it interacts with a particular person in a particular way. So it's essentially a level of unmetedness that can occur uh, unless there is some level of, um, I don't know, the actual term would be there, some level of... of um... Accountability, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Accountability. Um, there it yeah, is. Yeah. There's, there's some real struggles in, in that domain. And, um, you know, I think, you know, some of, of the risks um, are around the language um, training the training that goes mm. into uh, developing these um, these chatbots. Can you tell us a little bit more about how do you train a chatbot, Oliver? That's a really good question. Um, so these uh, generative AI are large language models, such as uh, ChatGPT, which of course is is out there, everyone knows, and, and Bard and various other ones. Um, there are designed on a massive amount of data. So they take every bit of data they can find from the internet, from various other bits and places, and essentially it creates a mathematical representation. And we supply it with a, a question or a particular idea, and it interprets that and, like magic, gives you a, a response back. So it generates this response. And whilst it appears somewhat magic, it is essentially just giving you the mathematical representation of what it thinks should come next. So if you ask it X and Y, it says in you know 99% of cases, these particular things follow, and it, and it responds in that appropriate way that it's built. Now, these are um, very, very complicated, um, large uh, deep learning models. They have um, uh, lots of, uh, they've got a, a quite a complex structure by which they, they work and arrive at these conclusions. So they're not always easily to identify how the actual mathematical formula arrived. But the big uh, proponent that's important is what data was it actually trained on? Because mm. primarily these systems are uh, backwards facing. 
they, they take what we know, what we've learned, all these particular things learning, and they apply it to the questions we present. So if the particular uh, chatbot is trained on ordinary conversations, it will supply ordinary conversation-like responses. If it's trained on social media, it will operate in the way that social media platform actually operates. So, you know, it might become quite uh, negative very quickly, or it might not really supply the correct answer you would think from a clinical perspective or the perspective you're trying to um, use the chatbot for. So when you're using a chatbot for something like, I've rung up my insurance company, or you're typing, sorry, to the insurance company, and, and it's sort of triaging your call, it knows the the appropriate responses because you are essentially there wanting to transact or find out this particular information. But when uh, things become more complicated, we know humans more complicated, and we look at it from a therapeutic perspective, it starts to get much harder to actually ascertain a positive therapeutic interaction. And and I mean that in the way that you know uh, you have with another person. Not necessarily a, a clinical relationship, but the way in which you, you talk to each other, the way a conversation builds, the way sort of that, that evolves as you go on. That's mm. very, very hard for a chatbot to replicate. You need a little bit of empathetic yeah. uh, intelligence to to connect and have conversations that are meaningful with other humans, don't you? That's right. And we know that empathy is something that artificial intelligence, machine learning, computers, whatever you want to call it, doesn't possess. We'll struggle with that. That's right. Yeah. Empathy is a, is a human construct as part mm. of that that trust relationship, which um, you know we've talked about before at length. And and um, Rachel Botsman's work mm. is is really worth reading for anybody that wants to um, know more about trust relationships, especially in the age that we're going into. Um, so as we sort of see these uh, therapeutic chatbots being used, we have to start to ask the question: Well, what happens if the conversation degrades what happens mm. if it takes the conversation in a way that isn't right for that person but it is right for the data that it was trained on mm. so sometimes if the the data is poor quality data um, then you'll get a poor quality clinical decision Correct. but if it's high grade clinical data yep. then it's more trustworthy Correct. and i think yeah. a big thing is that it's, it's the old adage garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. um, it's only as good as that's learnt on. But when we look at uh, broad speaking, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, a big part of, of the way it learns is um, data becomes labelled or classified. So um, on your phone, if you've, if you've got a, uh, definitely with the iPhone, and I'm, I'm sure the, the Google one does it as well, you can actually do a text search and you can search for dog and it'll show you all the pictures on your phone that are it's a dog because there is a big library out there in the back um, that has been thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures of dogs have been labeled mm. on that um, every time you do the um, the sign in when it gets you to pick a motorbike or pick the crosswalk you're actually helping classify images when you do that ah. uh, yeah so this big library so it but that's only as good as the the people classifying it or the content of um, the pictures. So, say for instance, we talk about dogs. Um, I've got border collie. You've got a border collie. Yeah, we, we love both border, got border collies. collies. <laughs> um, and the fur around the house to prove it. But <laughs> if we had, um, you know, uh, an image classification that had only have been presented with border collies, and sold that was dogs. If you presented it with a different dog, 
wouldn't mm. classify because there's a, a bias towards Because it life. thinks the truth for dog is equals border collie. collie. Correct. But in fact, there are many, many other, That's other right. types so of dogs. So if yeah. you had a data set that maybe had 80% border collies and then, you know, 20% of just other dogs, the system will inherently kind of err towards one thing or another because there's mm. much more of that particular information or a bit much more accurate in classifying the border collies but if you give it something that's not a border collie it, it really struggles and we, we see that happening with a lot of ais where you know if the bulk of the data is you know uh western um you know middle income um people then the data is really great when you're classifying there but the moment you step outside of those realms so then, from minorities yeah. and called and exactly. First Nations populations very quickly won't be reflected as accurately. Correct. So yeah. this this comes back to the the um, with our data when we're actually using it for a therapeutic purpose, such as a chatbot. That if the data that has been trained upon is either poor data, like from a social media platform, mm -hmm. or it's done, uh, it might be from clinical notes, but it might be co not coded by clinicians or somebody with the understanding of what's actually occurring, then the data that's presented to the person interacting with chatbot will only ever be as good as that particular level. Mm. And and we know in the case of the one then in the, the experiment that's actually mentioned in our article that um, they trained it all on, on Reddit. And when they turned some of the, the safeties off to make the chatbot bit more empathetic to to appear a bit more conversational um the conversations degraded very quickly to mm. quite negative outcomes of course it was just from an experiment point of view but you know when you then reflect upon reddit as its source you will actually quite a lot of reddit has a has a, a reputation for conversations mm, and trip going that, that way. It? so yeah. it's done exactly yeah. what it's been trained to do so there are some harms that could be uh, perpetuated uh, or even encouraged um, through uh, poor quality training um, in a therapeutic chatbot, essentially, that could happen. Mm. So then I guess that it must be really important that we start to work as, you know, we're both mental health nurses, you're a computing scientist as well. Um, I guess it's time for um, the mental health professions to start to think about working with and collaborating with non-traditional um, partners and collaborators like technologists, software engineers, computing scientists, mm -hmm. all of those type of people um, really need to become part yep. of our, our therapeutic community now. Very if, much so. And mm. if, if they don't, it's, it's going to happen anyway. Mm. This, is, this is the scary thing, uh, that this will go ahead. There are, is money to be made. There are commercial aspects mm. to this. So if we're not having that clinical input, if we're not sort of stepping up and going, we need to be involved or we need to actually be uh, making sure that the products that are being used to actually have the research and have the evidence behind them to support it, then, you know, we're going to end up caring for people using inferior products or inferior things that, you know, may not work for them. Mm. And as, um, as mental health professionals, uh, we so we really need to be at the table. So we do need to understand a bit of this mm. stuff. We do need to understand about the implications of um, training data for mental health practice, mm. for mental health, for the mental health of, of of people and populations. If we're not at that table, we can expect that poor quality 
uh, and potentially even dangerous products will hit the market, if you like, and be either freely or cheaply available. Uh, and that could cause significant harm. Yeah, yeah. it's quite a significant potential. So it's really important that mental health nurses and other mental health professionals educate themselves uh, and attend to their own professional development around understanding the implications of AI and chatbots in the mental health context. Um, that's really, really interesting. Well, as you mentioned, Oliver, we, uh, we did write an article about this recently uh, and published it in the International Journal of Mental Health Nursing. Uh, and we're going to put that in the show material online yep. so that you can access it. It is free to read. Mm -hmm. we'd, we'd love listeners to go and have a look at that and uh, start to get with the lingo a bit yep. around um, uh, AI and mental health nursing and chatbots and figure out what you yep. can trust and what you can't trust mm -hmm. and uh, understand some of the challenges and harms that might be associated, but also understand how to critique and mm. see where the benefits might lie as well. Definitely. There's there's questions that you need to be able to ask of yourself in the context of the these tools as we go forward and, uh, you know, everybody will benefit for that. So I think it's been a great discussion. Um, been very, very interesting. I will also include the uh, Rachel Bossman, Who Can You Trust, yes. in the show notes as well. I'd That's highly recommend that book. fabulous read. Yeah. Um, it, it is really fascinating for this digital age. So when we come to talking about digital health broadly, that book has so much applicability to, um, you know, the way in which we uh, will do our uh, business in mm. the digital health world. Mm. So. Another exciting podcast from the, <laughs> the uh, Digital Dose um, Rhonda Wilson and Oliver Higgins signing off. Uh, but stay tuned because we'll have another podcast dropping soon. Mm -hmm.